Welcome to episode 45 of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I am your co-host, the father, a.k.a. Pastor Matt, a.k.a. Matt Rawlings, and I am joined, as always, by your faithful co-host, Jack from the Thun, and today I'm excited to talk about Eye Trauma, the major motion picture. <laughs> Hello, folks. We're, we are a spoiler podcast. We spoil the movies we discuss, and on this episode, we are addressing part four of our tribute to the late great Lucio Fulci, who would have turned 93 in June of 2020. But before we get to uh, this week's entry, what have you been uh, watching or doing during these waning days of the COVID quarantine? Anything worth talking about? Honestly, not much. Other than uh, watching City of the Living Dead earlier um, you know, last week, I did watch one kind of new release. It's, it's pretty new. Um, it's a 2018 film, but I think it was released wide later on. Uh, it was Ghostland, which was actually a Patreon request by Amy Swan. Oh. She wanted me to review it, so I did a video review for that um, and watched Ghostland in order to make that video. Um, honestly, my thoughts in short, eh. I don't really? Think, I, I hear that Jay of the Dead made it his number one for the year 2018 or whatever year um, he put that down as, and I definitely don't think it's number one material. I mean, I... I'm, I lean more towards what Ian West said, uh, which he gave it a two-star rating, and he said, I love Rob Zombie movies, but basically this is not that. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of got that vibe, but it doesn't quite pull it off. So, yeah, I gave it a three-star rating, but um, you could check out that video review if you're a patron, um, or you could read my Letterboxd review. Uh, eh, <laughs> those are my thoughts. I haven't seen it, and so I'll have to catch up on it, because I, I have heard mixed things. I've heard some people just thought it was mad other people thought it was brilliant so I'll, I'll have to check it out but i haven't been able to watch too much because i've been knee deep in uh, work i've got uh a week from tomorrow i've got a um graduate greek class starting that will run all summer where i'm not allowed to speak english only ancient greek so that'll be interesting but Yikes. i did uh on friday night i did catch i did catch the last drive-in where Joe Bob and Darcy covered The Exorcist 3, which we recently covered as part of our Exorcist 1, 2, 3 uh, franchise coverage. And our buddies over at the Horror Movie Podcast were given the Silver Bolo Award. That's right. I saw that. I mean, what an honor for the podcasting community at whole, but especially them. I mean, they deserve it, though. They've been working hard for so many years now. Absolutely. I mean, when Joe Bob uh, mentioned it, um, he did list of course he mentioned jay of the dead uh, dr carl walking dead he mentioned wolfman josh dr shock he failed to mention gilman joel because they hadn't updated their itunes account yet but let's just say it gilman uh you do an amazing job as a host of hnp and congrats gentlemen well well deserved and he met joe bob so i don't feel too bad for him i mean he got <laughs> to stand in the presence of the real jbb that's right that's right he did so well, this week we are discussing what many horror fans believe is Fulci's masterpiece, which is The Beyond from 1981. Who else is here? There's nobody here. I can feel a presence. Somebody else is in here. Oh, some weird story that Emily told me about room 36. Emily? Who's Emily? The blind girl that lives in the old house by the crossroads. 
No! No! No, Spike! Go away! I don't want to go back! The girl that lives in the old house by the crossroads. Yes! That house has been abandoned for the last 50 years. But that's not true. It's not possible. I was there. This house was constructed on one of the... To him who opens one of the seven gateways to hell, because through that gateway, evil will invade the world. When was the first time you saw The Beyond? This week. Really? Uh, this was my first full viewing of the movie. I mean, with all of these movies we cover, if I haven't seen them before, it's mostly because I thought I had. I had seen clips. It felt so familiar to me that I didn't even think I needed to watch it. But then when I sit down, I'm like, oh, this is different. This isn't the way I, rem- I remember it. I think The Beyond was one of those movies where I was I was about 90% sure I had seen it, uh, but I wasn't confident. So rewatching it, I realized I hadn't seen it all the way through because, boy, there were a lot of things that shocked me in this movie. Um, but I to just briefly before we, we dive into our in-depth in-depth thoughts, I think so far this is uh, Fulci's masterpiece. It is his uh, magnum opus. Yeah, this was this was, I think, the third go round for me. I watched it on VHS back in the day. Um, when I covered the films, uh, it's listed as 1981 because that's when it was released in Italy. It didn't hit the United States till 83. Um, <clears throat> and so I covered it when I did the horror films of 1983, although I failed to, to uh, review it on Letterboxd for some reason. But I had forgotten how, at times, it's a bit of a slow burn, just a bit. Uh, but man, when it goes there, it goes there, does it not? Yeah, it certainly does, and I, I agree with you that it is a slow burn, certainly more so than Zombie, I think, but, um, you know, I think it does definitely pay off with some of the best effects and this the best story I think I've seen so far from Fulci. Yeah, and so if you haven't seen it, shame on you, it's it's uh, streaming on Shudder. Uh, the IMDb synopsis, a young woman inherits an old hotel, hotel in Louisiana, and they shot this in Louisiana, where following a series of supernatural quote-unquote accidents, she learns that the building was built over one of the entrances to hell. Never, never a good purchase or inheritance, right? Yeah, no, and uh, Louisiana, I mean, I would think that Satan would choose somewhere else to to make the gates of hell, but I guess, you know, you get a lot of rednecks that don't want to mess with the hotel. It makes sense to me. I don't know. Um, I've Yeah, I'm trying to decide what is the muggier, hotter place I've been, Louisiana or Arkansas. I, I'm not sure, but anyway, a little background. As I said, it was released in Europe in 81, didn't hit the States until 83, but the uncut version of this film did not drop in the United States until 1998, and that was thanks to somebody we've done a tr- couple tribute shows to, Mr. Quentin Tarantino, who is a Fulci fan. That doesn't surprise me one bit. I mean, he probably had the uncut version just <laughs> sitting under a, a mattress or, or something. His movie collection is so expansive, he's got movies that haven't even been made yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, he is well-known. I loved um Listening to the interview with him on the Eli Roth um, History of Horror podcast, where he was talking about playing hooky, even when he's filming, sometimes he'll just take days off 
and he'll just run movies, you know, at his house. He'll invite like Eli Roth or Robert Rodriguez over just to watch like obscure grindhouse movies from the 70s. So, um, <clears throat> oh, man, um, with this movie, a little bit of trivia. So we'll, we will dig into the ending. But s- the extras who are lying in sand at the end. You remember this when they leave the hospital and somehow end up in the basement of the house again? How could I forget? <laughs> uh, those people in the sand, if you, the bodies in the sand, were homeless people that Fulci paid in alcohol. Ooh. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, I, I'm guessing that uh, Mr. Fulci never received a, a humanitarian award. <laughs> no. Hey, man, it was the 80s. It was a different time. Oh, man. So anyway, uh, we start with a flashback going into the plot 1927 in Louisiana where the townspeople gather to kill a man they suspect is a warlock. But he protests that he is trying to shut one of the seven gates of hell and what is almost a horror trope. They should have listened to him. Should they not? I mean, yeah, that's that's basically a Fulci movie at this point. Nobody wants to listen to the the mystics and then they all pay for it. Um, but great opening. I, I did not know what to expect. The, the Grindhouse uh, release logo comes up, and then we were in sepia tone, Louisiana. I was like, what is this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little, it's very different from what we've seen from Fulci so far, isn't it? I mean, right from the beginning. Yeah, visually, too. I mean, I was surprised that there were so many wide angles. I was like, Fulci, what are you doing, man? There's no eye close-ups yet. Yet. I mean, we get a lot of them later, but uh, it looked very different. I was surprised. I was like, well done, Fulci. Absolutely. So we fast forward to the early 80s or whenever this was shot. I think it was shot in late 80 uh, to when the hotel has been inherited by a woman from New York City, the same actress from City of the Living Dead. And she, you know, informs a doctor when they have drinks later that she has to renovate and open this hotel or she has to be turned to relief, which is the European way of saying welfare. I'm not sure how a person who is on the verge of going on welfare can afford to renovate a, uh, you know, long dead Louisiana hotel. But, hey, you know. Plot sake. I mean, yeah. she says that the people who are renovating it came with the hotel, whatever that means. Uh, she's like, it's like, I've never heard of these people before. Well, they came with the hotel. It's a package deal. Oh, man. Yeah, there's some human trafficking going on in Louisiana, apparently. Um, well, I mean, Fulci did use homeless people, so maybe he didn't see that as a, as a twist at all. He's like, yeah, that's what you do. I don't know. <laughs> I think we're speaking too much bad in Fulci's name. I mean, he did make a oh, pretty yeah. good movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to pick on this movie, but I, I'll go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. I do love it. So we get to a few poor contractors who should have turned down those jobs, should they have not? I mean, they had no idea that it was over the gates of hell. But, I mean, still, if you hear somebody say, I might be able to pay, pay you. I mean, I'm going on welfare, but maybe you'll get paid for your job. I would be like, eh, lady, I think you're crazy. Well, but— wouldn't have i mean i don't know maybe these contractors from out of town but all any town that has a house like that has a mythology with it Mm -hmm. i mean right i mean kids talk about it people talk about it i mean that that's happened here there's you know there was a house that was that was torn down here because there was supposedly an exorcism back in the 1930s and all other kind of i mean every town has that and they talk about it's not but these people like 
seem just oblivious to it. Yeah, I mean, plot's sake. <laughs> you, that's all I can say when when it comes to these Fulci movies, that people do stuff that doesn't make any sense. It's just because he wants to propel the plot along to show you some really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, um, is this not ripe for a spoof of a home improvement show? Oh, man, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah, let's your next, make that happen. There's your next YouTube video, buddy. <laughs> I'm going to have to travel to Louisiana and find the exact filming location to make it authentic. There you go. There you go. So we have the new owner, Liza, uh, played by Catriona McCall, who we saw in City of the Living Dead. And after a mishap with one of the painters, who, by the way, was the head of the Louisiana Film Commission, that's how he got that gig, Mm-hmm. Uh, she meets Dr. John McCabe, played by David Warbeck, who you, Jackson, have seen before in a Hammer film. Really? I didn't, I didn't remember him. He I was, mean, I, are you ready? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Don't have a guess? Uh, I mean, I could guess forever. Wait, was, no, I have no, just go ahead and tell me. He was Anton in Twins of Evil. Oh, no, that's my favorite Hammer movie, too. Yep, he was in Twins of Evil. Maybe it's the facial hair that was throwing me off. He has a bit of a beard in this one. In this one or Twins of Evil? I'm talking about the doctor. Oh, I don't know. Not not Joe the plumber. I'm talking about the doctor, the guy who who ends up at the end in the basement with her. No, he, David Warbeck, yeah, he was Anton in Twins of Evil. I feel ashamed. Uh, He didn't do a lot other than that. He did Twins of Evil... Um, you know, he did this. He also did Fulci's The Black Cat. But unfortunately, he died from cancer in 1997, which is sad. Um, but Liza eventually meets Emily, a woman who appears to be visually impaired and has a pet German shepherd. Emily warns um, Liza not to open the hotel. But we later learn that apparently, um, I guess you can explain this to me. This is my guess. Emily has escaped from hell. Yeah, I didn't really understand that. I mean, my take on it originally was, oh, she's some kind of spirit because, um, you know, she talks to Dr. McCabe and she's like, yeah, Emily, the the blind lady. And he's like, who? I know everybody in this town. I don't know Emily. Uh, so I was like, oh, she's a spirit. But then she can be killed by a dog. I mean, I don't really understand how it worked. Uh, but yeah, I guess she was one of the people that escaped from hell and she just happens to be super cool and calm about that fact instead of acting like a raving lunatic or anything um yeah i didn't understand that i didn't understand the whole character of emily um but i mean her eyes were weird and it was kind of spooky so i guess that's what fault she was thinking about yeah um she's escaped from hell with her pet german shepherd which is (laughs) odd and the citizens of hell don't appreciate it and we learn her dog's not very loyal um And, but, so she's, we also get, yeah, because I thought, I was with you, I thought she was a spirit, because you have that scene where, you know, um, Liza is walking, she can hear her footsteps, but Emily's feet aren't making any sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and, and she just seems to appear and disappear with no warning, so it was like, oh, she's a ghost, but nope, she's a physical being somehow. As the dog proves, and now, did you catch... There is symbolism in the dog attack. Did you catch it? Uh, I guess I wasn't reading too far into that scene. Well, first of all, she's blind, right? Mm-hmm. The dog rips off her ears and attacks her mouth. 
Okay. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Okay. Is there was there a monkey that had to do anything with this? I'm not making the full connection here. That's just what Fulci thought of the shot. He said this was not gratuitous. It was, it was his fantasy. You see no evil, hear no evil, speak Don't no evil. Don't put me That's on the video cool. nasties. It's 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 uh, smart. I swear, it's not just gore. Ah. <laughs> Oh, man. So in the meantime, we have the familiar trope that everyone thinks Emily is seeing things Mm -hmm. and anyone who tries to help her, whether they're in the house or not, gets knocked off in pretty gruesome ways. Heck, even the victims of the relatives aren't immune. Right. Because and by the way, when uh, Joe, the place that Joe, the plumber's uh, widow who comes to see with his with a little girl who looks like uh, a Wendy from the restaurant. Um, who leaves a jar of acid uncorked and sitting on an edge of a table? No idea. That was my thought. Exactly. Uh, I was like, why? Why do they need acid? First of all, what are they going to melt the bodies in the morgue? Second of all, um, why would it be in a, a thin glass container? I mean, you look at that thing and it looks like something you'd store pickles in. Uh, and secondly, <laughs> you put it on the side of a cabinet so a, so a ghost can just knock it off onto somebody's face. Yeah, it doesn't make uh, much sense to me. But again, we're talking about Fulci here. It's all about we're the kills. Ta- we're talking about Fulci, though. I mean, if you didn't know this was Fulci, if you weren't a horror fan, you could mistake this for like an OSHA training film, right? This is like, <laughs> this is like a whole bunch of work safety like training films. Um, the most horrifying work safety training <laughs> film ever. If you're a work safety video for a morgue, which would be yeah, interesting. If you ever get hired to do training films, which is the way some up and coming filmmakers make money, buddy, because Stuart Gordon did it. That's, you know, he made money doing training films. And George and Lucas for films. the army. Yeah, so you know, if you ever get one, you'll be like, "Oh, I can give you a training film," and you just yeah. you just reenact some Fulci scenes. Um, so you have uh, Doctor John, no relation to the musician. He finds the book of Ibon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which it, this time at least they made up a book instead of just using some Hebrew relic. Yeah, I guess it is has been used and like got people who kind of followed H.P. Lovecraft kind of like their mm. version of the Necromonicon. I don't know which one came first. I don't know if Fulci, if people following Lovecraft used this from Fulci or rather Fulci used it from the people following Lovecraft. I don't know. I didn't look that up. But that's as, as far as I got into it. But it reveals the truth about the hotel, right? So now, you know, the doctor reads that, no, this this hotel is covering one of the gates of hell. And so, you know, and he finds this in apparently what, you know, Emily or Liza said was Emily's house, and we find out it's been abandoned for fifty years. I think is what he said. Mm-hmm. Sixty, I think, but that's since the killing of the, uh, oh, of the guy in the hotel. Yeah, because right, so, I think it was the twenties uh, w- when they flash back. Right, right, right. And you've got that room thirty-six thing where that guy was killed, where the the you know somebody keeps ringing the servant's bell, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of spooky. I mean, there's more supernatural stuff in this, I would say, than any of his previous. Uh, movies, but also there's a lot of physical stuff too. I can't quite tell what he's going for because sometimes it's a slasher and at some times it's like a jump scare heavy, like supernatural thriller. Yeah. Another thing I was confused about was this. Okay. So, I mean, this hotel has been there, you know, like you said, since at least the 1920s. It's been there a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, how did they open it? How did they open the gates? What was the, because we know <clears throat> when we watch City of the Living Dead, 
the priest hanged himself, and that opened that gate in that cemetery, right? Mm-hmm. What opened the gate here? Hmm. Poor rim service. That's, that'd be my guess. <laughs> Somebody asked for some jello, and instead uh, they got jelly, and they so, left a poor review, and then you know it all spiraled out of control. Poor, poor Martha opened the gates of hell. Yep. Uh, that was probably then, it. And then Martha, who goes to clean a tub, mm-hmm. uh, filled with black water, not Gross. something you want to put your hand in. Nope. Yeah, she's just uh, very nonchalant about that. I mean, I would be more concerned if I saw that. I mean, I don't think water just naturally turns black. It would maybe be brown from algae and, and dirt, but black as a corpse? I mean, that's pretty pretty disturbing. But she's like, oh, just another day in the life, and then corpse appears. And was that the, the corpse who came out of the bathtub? Was that the plumber? Was that Joe I the plumber? Think it, I think it was Joe because his eyes were missing, just like we see uh, in the, the, the morgue. Although, if I'm not mistaken, later on, he's back in the morgue. So I guess he escaped uh, after his autopsy, appeared in the bathtub, uh, I guess, a crucified, on the nails that crucified the warlock, he pushed Martha's head onto there, then went back to the morgue just in time for the big zombie showdown. Uh, yeah, I don't know how it works, but I think that was Joe because he had those two weird slanty missing eye right. prosthetics. Which was a cool effect, but, um, I mean, he's not really a character, but we see a lot of him. Yeah. <clears throat> now, Joe, when he's in the basement and he's killed, was he killed by, because the corpse that attacks him is, is, is unrecognizable. I mean, it looks, like, it looks like a rotted version of the thing from the Fantastic Four, right? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. pretty, it's pretty gnarly. Is that supposed to be the warlock? I think so, because later on we see that same corpse pinned to the wall with those railroad spikes. Um, so I think it's supposed to be him. Uh, though I don't know why he... Is he just killing him because he's trying to get revenge or what? Like, it doesn't seem... It seems like it's counterintuitive to his plan to, to shut the gates of hell, to just start killing off random people. Yeah, we're not going to be... I, I'm picking this apart, even though I think it's... Because there's no... My point is this... Um, before we get to the screenplay, let's just go ahead and talk about it. There's no rhyme or reason here. This is just a trippy, weird, scary, gory movie. And trying to make sense of it is try- like trying to make sense of a David Lynch movie to an extent. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's basically just uh, a test reel to demonstrate a couple of really cool effects. Uh, the stories are never the strongest thing in Fulci movies. I mean, we've talked about that before. Um, it's basically just a, this, the plot is a vehicle to get to one kill to the other to the big finale. I mean, that's what Fulci is always building towards. Um, I mean, I would love to talk to him about how he deciphers the Gates of Hell trilogy and what the true meaning of that is. Uh, but I don't think he would have even had an answer for me. So, you know, whatever. Uh, there is a book out there by the um, on the films of Fulci by uh, the same guy who did the commentary that I watched on Zombie. I need I, I want to get that book when I have the time on break from school or something. I want to pick up that book and read because I, I I have questions because and here's the thing. Typically, when I'm watching any kind of movie, whether it's an action movie and it's just a setup for a gunfight or or a fist fight, or whether it's a horror movie where it's just obviously just a setup, as you said just to get to a cool kill. Typically, I hate those movies. You know, I, I, I want a narrative. I want characterization. You know, 
very rarely can I watch any movie, including a horror movie, without some characterization. There, there are exceptions, like Alien. I mean, we don't learn a lot about the crew, you know, on the Nostromo, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. don't know that much about them, but somehow we care about them. Um, but typically, I need that. But for whatever reason, I don't know what it is. I've tried to put my finger on it. There's just something about Fulci. And maybe that's another YouTube spoof. Instead of there's something about Mary, there's something about Fulci. <laughs> I don't I, oh, no. I don't know. I just, you know, I sit there and from an, I'm, I'm watching as a former film student, as a former director, and I'm sitting there going, you know, okay, that's a cool shot. Um, it's a pretty cool effect. The acting's crap. It's obviously just a setup to get there. Um, typically, I hate this. Why do I like this so much? Why am I enjoying it? I know exactly what you mean. Um, yeah, there's definitely a vibe you get from those movies where it's almost like a different kind of experience. You're not watching uh, your typical movie, not even your typical Italian horror film. Uh, I mean, like you watch something like an Argento movie, and even though the characters are the strongest, there are still characters that you can sympathize with. And even though there are some cool effects, I think the overarching idea is usually the the the, the plot and the idea of it. Whereas with Fulci movies, it's all about what you're seeing on screen. Um, I think he dedicates the most uh, love and care to shocking people with uh, crazy effects and disturbing imagery. Um, Like even Adult Torture Duckling, which I think is honestly the most story-filled movie so far, the most plot-driven movie. I mean, even that was really just a vehicle to show you some really disturbing child bodies and stuff with that big finale at the end with the priest. Um... I mean, it's just a different vibe. You don't go into a Fulci movie. I guess it's it's a matter of expectations. You don't go into a Fulci movie expecting uh, great characters that you can pick apart and analyze. You go in expecting kills and some cool imagery uh, and something to think about. I mean, the ending of this movie certainly did that for me. Um, it gave you some cool stuff to look at, and it made me think a little bit. But I didn't ponder on the characters and their motivations because, frankly, they don't have any. Yeah, I... But you know what? Here's the thing. All right. You've grown up as a horror fan from a pretty young age, and you have never lived in a time without uh, high-speed Wi-Fi. Sure. Right? Yeah. That's, just, that's just part of the air you breathe. Um, I didn't grow up with it. You know, I, you know, for me, it was just I remember picking up these movies on VHS, uh, the video store, renting them. And watching them, knowing almost nothing about them. I think I, I don't know when even the name Lucio Fulci registered with me. And part of that was, I mean, back then, like the only kind of information we could get on horror directors and makeup artists and all that kind of stuff if you, was Fangoria. And I could only pick up an, uh, an issue of Fangoria maybe once every three to six months and sneak it into my house because your grandfather thought that it was just sick, you know, I mean, he'd take me to go see first blood Rambo, you know, first blood part two, you know, but you know, if I brought home something with a poster from scanners with an exploding head, he, he lost his mind. So, um, go figure, but it was, I don't remember reading anything about Fulci and the handful of Fangoria's I could get my hands on in the eighties. But I, I do know that I watched his movies. I do remember seeing Zombie 2. I do remember seeing, you know, um, The Beyond and, and City of the Living Dead and New York Ripper and so forth. Uh, 
And and remember, it's like, I remember the first time I watched New York Ripper, and I'm sitting there watching this, going, "What?" I mean, it's like you've got a you've got a killer who talks like, you know, Daffy Duck. He's calling the police in a duck voice. Um, you've got like the opening scene. You've got uh, some woman riding her bike in New York City, and she's you know dents somebody's sports car, and she's like, "Hey!" And she's like, "Oh, sorry, I was thinking about Boston," and just rides off. I'm like. What, what what just happened? <laughs> what what does that have yeah. to do with anything? And yet, by the time this is done, New York Ripper is done, and I'm sitting there going, "Wait a minute, killer with a duck voice." You know that I was thinking about Boston. Yeah, and it's same thing with the Beyond. I'm watching. I'm thinking this doesn't make any sense, but for some reason, I keep thinking about it, and it's still just like like some ethereal thing I can't put my finger on. That I don't get it. I don't know. I still haven't figured it out. There's just something about Fulci. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, the first time I became supremely aware of Fulci, like he was in the forefront of my mind, was probably last year in 2019. I hadn't even really thought about who was making the movies I was watching. I was just like, oh, yeah, here's another slasher. Here's another supernatural movie. Here's another foreign film. And I would watch them not really thinking about who made them or about auteur theory or anything like that. Um, But but that changed last year. And when I first became aware of Fulci and even just creators at large in the horror community, um, I started to realize that you have to go in with a different mindset for each filmmaker. Um, when I went in to see Midsummer twice, by the way, uh, I'm a little bit of a brag there. I suffered through like <laughs> what four and a half hours of, or even yep. more than that, five hours I think in total yep. of uh, of of Midsummer. I knew what to expect because I had seen Hereditary. Um, so when I went into this movie, I had just seen City of the Living Dead, so I wasn't expecting a big story. I wasn't expecting amazing acting. I was expecting maybe one good performance. Um, but I wasn't expecting a great cast ac- across the board. I thought maybe we'd get another Christopher George somewhere, uh, some guy like that. Um, but, uh, you know, that wasn't what I was looking for. What I was looking for was some wacky moments I could talk about with people, some great kills, some, some great effects, and a few really cool, iconic uh, uses of imagery throughout the movie. Yeah. And that's what I got. And I, I wasn't disappointed at all. Yeah, I don't know. Um, listeners out there, tweet us. Let us know. What are we missing about Fulci? Why do we love him even though, you know, we can sit here and pick on him all day because, I mean, the plot points are ridiculous. I mean, speaking of which, so, you know, uh, John, Dr. John goes to get Emily uh, from the hotel and they flee to the hospital because when you're on the run uh, uh, from the living dead, you go to a place where where, where they have a morgue. Mm-hmm. Uh, never a good idea. And so, you know, it's, it's not quite on par with stopping for lunch while you're trying to save the world, like in City <laughs> of the Living Dead. But, yeah. but uh, I mean, they do go directly to a grave, uh, a graveyard in that movie. So they're not they're not uh, smart either. But, yeah, characters in, the, in these movies aren't exactly the brightest. Uh, true. So um, the movie then turns into a bit of a siege narrative at the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, unexpected zombie movie. I was not. I mean, there were there were corpses, there were weird like hell demons, but we didn't get straight up zombies until the hospital scene. And I'm like, oh yeah, Fulci movie. I forgot. And then, poor Doctor John. Um, mm-hmm. 
who is a doctor who has a 357 Magnum revolver in his office. Yeah, for some reason. I mean, uh, yeah, (laughs) every practicing doctor has got to have something on him, I guess. (laughs) Pack and heat. It is the South. So um, that's true. um, And then now in City of the Living Dead on that Gates of Hell, we learn that you kill the undead by gutting them. Mm -hmm. Not so here. Nope. <laughs> Different type of a zombie. There are many species, I guess. I guess. You gotta shoot them in the head. And this is a medical doctor. This is a person with at least eight years of education. Mm-hmm. He shoots several of the undead in the head. They drop. Does he continue to keep shooting them in the head? <laughs> nope. I was thinking the exact same thing. He sees them drop, and even if they didn't, even if that wasn't the only way to kill them, why wouldn't you just aim for the head? That's a guaranteed kill anyways. I he know. he wastes so many bullets and then wonders why he's out. I mean, it's like, oh, no amount of bullets. I probably shouldn't have shot that zombie in the leg three times. It's like, Dr. McCabe, what are you doing, man? Uh, yeah, he's not the brightest, uh, the, you know, brightest bulb or the, the sharpest tool. I mean, he is really making some bad decisions. But, uh, I mean, he has it better off than Harris does at the hospital. Yeah. Who Dr. McCabe has talked about all movie. He's talking to Harris on the phone. He's like, we got to get to the hospital. We got to talk to Harris. I got to figure out what's going. I got to talk to Harris. We, we meet Harris, and he's dead within 15 seconds. It's like, okay, RIP Harris. Oh. I guess he's gone now. And the, the only effect shot that I am not a fan of in this movie. When he dies from the mm-hmm. shards of glass going into his face, that's the most obvious dummy I have seen in a long time in a movie. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And here were my thoughts, okay? I was, like I always do, I was taking notes while I was watching. And um, so, you know, Dr. Dr. McCabe or John goes into the thing. He's scared by Harris, who's acting like a zombie for whatever reason, but he's still a human. He can still talk. Um, and then... The window just explodes out of nowhere, uh, yeah. as the, as they usually do. It explodes and glass impales Harris's face, you know, near his eyes. I'm not sure if it goes in his eye, but that's two faulty tropes in one convenient package, right? Exploding window and eye and face trauma in one go. I mean, wow, outstanding. He really hit it out of the ballpark with that one. <laughs> um, and what a way to kill off the this character that you don't even know. I mean, it's like you're this horrifying death is given to a character that we literally just saw two shots ago yeah yeah but the dummy uh ruined it for me it's but pretty bad it's it's on the it's on par with the friday the 13th part three ex- like i squeeze dummy it yeah. looks pretty bad it looks like a crash test dummy with some paint on it um not great though i would say um there are some good uses of dummies but there's also some bad ones i mean he the use of dummies, especially in, like, melting scenes, you can tell when it's a dummy. I mean, their teeth are all weird and, like, evenly spaced. Um, I think, honestly, it always looks better when it's just a person with a prosthetic on. Yeah, and then we have um, Emily finds uh, creepy-eyed Wendy, right, mm-hmm. the little girl. And, of course, she turns on Emily and the doctor, so we do get a shot of... Uh, of uh, creepy-eyed Wendy's head getting blown off. And, man, I hope that's not the image I retain the next time I have a Frosty, right? Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, I was surprised. Um, Wait, isn't her name 
Jill? Is it Wendy? Oh, yeah, you were calling her Wendy because Wendy's. I'm calling her Wendy's because, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's I'm just call her, call her Wendy. That's she, fine. Does she not just look like, does she, she not does look, look like, like Wendy? Yep. I mean, those pigtails and the red hair, yeah, she is basically Wendy. If Wendy, if Wendy from Wendy's was somehow possessed by hell, uh, yeah, that, that'd be the result. And we get a close-up of who I presume to be, uh, uh, like, young. I mean, she looked young and her parents died and it seems like she's going into the custody of her relatives or something but then we see her face exploding on screen and i'm like can falji show that can he show the the face of a teenager exploding right right on screen and then i was like oh yeah falji so never mind that answers that question uh, of course he can he's going to be on the video nasties anyway so uh he has no limits at this point yeah that was gruesome i mean it was just one exploding head after another but that one was extra impactful uh, because she was kind of a character, but uh, then, you know, she's gone in an instant. Yeah, and, and all right, so, folks, even though I am a quote-unquote man of the cloth, I could not help thinking, because um, immediately when I saw that young girl, which we see early on, right, because it's pretty much implied she's Joe the Plumber's daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and... I'm sitting there watching her attack Emily and, and John. Mm-hmm. And I, the first thing that popped into my head, second movie idea or second short movie idea. I now want a fast food mascot zombie movie. Oh, boy. Imagine getting I, the licensing on that one. Oh, oh, you'd get sued unless you did it for your charge. But I'm just saying, you know, a Wendy Ronald McDonald and get this, the Burger King Who's already look? Who already looks creepy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and the hamburger. Or, I mean, I, there's so many opportunities. Whatever that uh, purple thing from McDonald's is. I mean, he could be a horror movie villain. Um, yeah, definitely. We need to get to work on that. We need to. We need to uh, make a nonprofit horror short with uh, with fast food mascots. Though uh, I think even even if we don't profit off of it, they can probably just sue us for defamation or something. Um, <laughs> And I don't know if I have money sitting around to fight that. So we're gonna need a lot more Patreons, especially if we throw in like a a demon possessed cow from Chick Fil A. But mm-hmm. anyway, so they they blow off demon possessed Wendy, freaky, creepy eyed demon possessed Wendy, head off, <clears throat> and you know they get out of the hospital, but they end up in the basement of of the hotel, and in largely a wasteland, right? Mm-hmm where things do not end well. What was your thinking about the ending? Pretty bleak. Not bad, okay? I was expecting something much worse after City of the Living Dead's awkward uh, kid running towards the camera then transitioned to credits, uh, accompanied by terrifying music, even though nothing scary is happening. Uh, Not bad. Honestly, I mean, it was pretty bleak, kind of touching on that cosmic horror aspect, and I have a lot to say about it, but um, briefly, I would say uh, confusing, but not awful. Okay, yeah, I'll go with that. There's definitely a Lovecraftian thing going on there. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, we usually run down the cast and the screenplay. I think we've pretty much summarized both. I mean, the cast is, is just there. Uh, the screenplay is just basically you've got the premise of a gates of hell in a hotel 
and it's all basically just a setup to get to other kills and creepy moments. But now I do may- I do want to say just in the defense of this movie, I think the dialogue at least is a little bit better than it was in City of the Living Dead. It's more organic, I would say, less uh, wooden and like robotic. I, I think there's a little bit more uh humanity in it but also it's still a fulci movie so it's just exposition you know central yeah yeah so you mentioned this earlier what did you think of the cinematography as a aspiring filmmaker really good i was i was surprised i was like is this a fulci movie um yeah there's lots of wide angle shots um we get a lot of movement with the camera not necessarily like uh moving in three dimensions but just turning and panning we get a lot of that um I thought the color was really great. I mean, even the absence of color in that sepia-toned uh, intro, it was it was pretty good. It looked good. Um, I think the shots at the end are really, really cool and foreboding. Uh, and uh, can't really fault it. I, 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 I don't know. I think he did a great job with this one. I'm not so sure uh, how involved he was in the actual uh, cinematography, but there are definitely touches of Fulci here and there. And we do get those signature eye zooms and uh, characters screaming and the, the cameras kind of in on their face while they're screaming. But it also feels much more mature than his earlier works do. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <clears throat> and also as a musician, what did you think of the score? Better than last time, I would say. A lot uh, more organic. I mean, you have acoustic guitar. You have these... Uh, I, I don't think they're actual chorus. It's an actual chorus. I think it's a synth, like with human voices in it. Right. But you have that choral sound with a with a little bit of orchestration here and there. Uh, definitely not as robotic and synth-heavy as his earlier works, uh, though there's still a little bit of that. I think it sounds pretty good. I mean, it's not iconic. I wouldn't say it's one of the themes uh, like The Exorcist or um, Halloween where you want to buy the CD or the vinyl, uh, but it serves its purpose, and I mean, it, it creates a pretty spooky atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, I was a fan of it. So now let's talk about what I think is the strongest suit of this film. We've touched on it, the special effects. How good, with the exception of the dummy, Harris the dummy, with that exception, like, for example, um, let me ask you about this one. What did you think of the spider scene? It was totally unexpected. I think very unnecessary, but I loved it. Uh, it was terrifying. <laughs> and unnecessary, that, but I loved it. I love that. Yeah, a lot of it wasn't even necessarily what we were seeing. It was what we were hearing. I watched this with headphones on, and I did not know that spiders Ooh. made sounds. Uh, but according to Fulci, they do, and the sounds they make are terrifying. Uh, I had no idea that they make footstep sound effects. Uh, I had no idea that it sounds like they're scrunching up paper balls. Also, didn't know they scream. They ha- did you notice that they have little screams? Uh, those are the spiders, I guess. Yeah, I now I've never heard a spider scream. I have watched enough Nat Geo to see that they do make noise when, like, they're basically sucking the insides of a of an insect sure. out and stuff yeah. like that. That they make noise, but no screams, no. But um, that was a pretty wild scene where you've got a guy once again who just falls off you know, um, a, an elevated place onto the floor this time kind of gets knocked silly to, and only to wake up to find, um, deadly man eating tarantulas on him all over and going to town, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My thought was if he can move his eyes and he looks pretty sentient, he looks sentient enough to feel pain, shake him off you dude. I mean, they can't be in there that tight. Um, he's just, he just kind of lays there and takes it. I guess he accepted his fate. Um, 
But yeah, it's pretty gross. Uh, there are spiders attacking places I didn't ever think I could see uh, trauma happen to. I mean, one grabs his tongue and is just kind of taking chunks off of it. And of course, there's more eye trauma. I mean, he loves it. I think so far, I, I, I was keeping count. Uh, we have a little bit of eye trauma in the beginning with that wax melt on that guy's head. I think that's what that was on the warlock's head when he's been crucified yeah, to the I wall. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, and then we get some eye, tra- eye trauma with Martha as she's impaled through the eye on that railroad spike. And oh, then and we that, get- was, that was my favorite because it's mm-hmm. the reverse of zombie, right? Instead of the spike going into the eye, it goes into the back of the head and pops out the eye. Yep. I, I thought that was gnarly. And it looked great. I mean, ugh, there, you could see all the strings coming out of the eye and everything. Oh, it yeah. was gross. Uh, but we had that. Now we have uh, the eye trauma here with the tarantula death, but also tongue trauma, which I wasn't expecting. Like I, like I said, you know, you don't often see that unless it's just being cut out. You don't often see a lot of uh, trauma to the tongue in horror movies, but I guess Fulci aimed to change that. Um, so I think I'm going to have trauma by the time Fulci is done with me. <laughs> I think I'm going to need therapy after that tarantula scene. Yeah, it, it, tongue trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, I, never a discussion I thought I'd have. But yeah, to come to think of it, the only tongue trauma I can think of off the top of my head would be, you know, um, Blood Feast. Where <laughs> right. somehow the Egyptian, you know, uh, who's trying to cook up a feast can just grab onto people's tongues without uh, any difficulty. He's got to have some rough hands, but anyway. putty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're saying thumbs up for the special effects overall. Two thumbs way up. All right, all right. So what else do you want to talk about with the beyond? So, okay. I I guess I just uh, want to talk about this first. Fulci is in this movie. Um, Right. Right. A cameo. I almost didn't recognize him because he doesn't have a beard. His yeah. his face is is shaved, which I was not expecting. And uh, I mean, do, does he has lines in this movie, right? Yeah. Which is not something that usually happens. And when they dubbed him, they gave him a southern accent, which is never something right. I thought I would see. A southern accent coming out of Fulci, which is hilarious. But, um, yeah, I didn't recognize him until I looked at the cast, and I saw Fulci at the, at the front with store clerk, and I was like, wow, roll of a century. Um, but, I mean, he was really trying to do that Hitchcock thing. Um, and I think he pulled it off in this one. I mean, it was seamless. It didn't seem like it was shoehorned in. But, um, yeah, so that was, that was uh, pretty um, surprising to me. Uh, Dickie the German Shepherd, okay? Unsung yeah. hero, I think, of a lot of this movie. He's a champ. Uh, I love me a dog actor, and I really hope he got lots of good treats and pats uh, before and after they filmed. <laughs> he did a good job. I mean, he's sympathetic, and then he's scary when you, when you want him to be. He's very versatile. Um, and I don't know if they just use a dog head for the scenes where he's ripping flesh off of her, but in my mind, I like to think that they laced that with bacon bits, and he's just tearing away at it, trying to get to him. <laughs> uh, that's how I, uh, I you know, qual- qualify that in my mind. I mean, I have a part German Shepherd and uh, I know that he would definitely fall for that if I ever need him to do an effect. Just just put oil or grease on it, and he will go to town on that thing. Um, so, I mean, yeah, Dickie the German Shepherd. Not sure what the name of that actor was, that dog actor. But uh, he was a good boy. Um, and very scary when he wanted to be. So, um, I talked about the score here. Uh, let's see. The silhouettes in the window after Liza and Dr. McKay leave the hotel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great shot. 
it's almost like a Home Alone situation, uh, which I thought was really funny because that just reminded me of that. But obviously, <laughs> it's, it's it's over a decade before that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love that. That was really creepy. Um, gay, I actually, actually think I shuddered when I saw that. Um, the lights come on and, you know, there are people walking back and forth. So that was really creepy. And that just kind of shows that there are spirits, because I don't think those are corpses. I think they're just spirits casting shadows or something, uh, which shows you that there's something more supernatural other than just zombies. So um, that was a really great horror moment. Uh, I talked about uh, John, Dr. McCabe's aiming skills. I mean, he yeah. shoots the zombie three times at grabbing Liza. But then he can't seem to hit any of them in the head. He's always shooting them in the stomach and stuff. I guess he saw City of the Living Dead and he's like, that's how you do it. But uh, nope, he's, he's getting it wrong. Uh, I mean, he's not caught up in the zombie lore, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, and where did the extra bullets come from? I don't know if it's a continuity error or he got him and I didn't see him. Uh, but he seems yeah. to be out of bullets. And then he goes into Harris's office and then he's just got a full, he's got a full gun full of bullets. Where did those come from? Does Harris also have 357 uh, rounds in his, in his hey man, office? It's, it's the South. Everybody's got him. Yeah, Everybody's I guess that's him. true. I mean, but then why didn't he just get another gun that was already loaded? Why did he? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I think Fulci was just like, let's just get some more close-up gunshot effects. Um, anyone to do that. So I guess now we just got to move on to the ending. That's really all I have to talk about. Uh, but uh, the ending of the movie, I think, has a lot to discuss. Let's go for it. Let's dig into it. What do you want to discuss about the ending? So... Uh, they're in the bottom of the hotel. For some reason, they're teleported, I guess. That's the idea, maybe. Or maybe it's all connected through the subterranean tunnels. I mean, we see the floor plan of the hotel. It's got some extra rooms that aren't, weren't known about or something. Uh, mm-hmm. but then those are erased. So, uh, I thought they were just teleported. So they're teleported down to the bottom of the hotel. They go through this, uh, white portal, I guess you could call it. It's basically just a fog machine in a hole in a wall. Right. But, um... And they, they come out in hell, which I guess is what it's supposed to be. Uh, basically just looks like a wide open space with corpses in the sand, lots of fog, um, and uncertainty in the distance. Um, and we have um, Liza and Dr. McCabe kind of wandering off into the distance. And then they see something. Uh, they're running towards the camera. They see something so terrifying that they go blind. And then they just kind of disappear into hell. They, I mean, they literally just kind of dissolve in the frame with the transition. Right. Um, so I was confused about it. I was like, what is going on? But I think I have an explanation. So they go into the first circle of hell or whatever it is. They're, they're in hell. Right. And they see something so terrifying. They see that it's that classic Lovecraftian thing where you see something, but you can't even comprehend it. So your brain is just fried. And then they go blind. I guess that's the mark of the beast. You know, right. you, they take your sight. And then their souls are absorbed into the afterlife or something. Um, I don't really think it even has an explanation, but that's the best I could come up with. I think what Fulci really wanted to do is have some more eye close-ups, which he gets from both uh, Dr. McCabe and Liza. Uh, I guess he was proud of those contacts. But, yeah. um yeah, it was it was something. I I kind of like it in that it's it's Lovecrafty and it's really cool. Like, what's beyond the fog? What did they see that was so terrifying it made them go blind? But also, why didn't she show us something? Did she run out of budget, Fulci? Like, make a demon or something, something cool, just for a second, even. Uh, I, but, I, I'm kind of you know I'm kind of on Fulci's side here. I I think that the imagination worked better there, the, the same way that, that Lovecraft true. does that. 
Yeah, I guess that's true. But I mean, he wasn't afraid to show some some weird effects earlier in the movie. So I was hoping we'd see something, uh, maybe even a tentacle or something, something that would hint at something bigger. But nope, it's just fog and corpses, um, leaving it up to the imagination. I like to think maybe they saw Cthulhu, but that that probably isn't it. Uh, only fault you will know because I'm pretty sure nobody has an original script of this, and if they do, it's probably nineteen thousand dollars on eBay. And it's probably also only 19 pages. Um, <laughs> yep, not a lot of dialogue. It's mostly just gore effects. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, I agree. I love the ending. It is bleak, but we we've expected that from Fulci. I mean, what have we seen? I mean, we saw that in Zombie. We've seen that in City of the Living Dead. Right. It's not. There is abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Right. Uh, yeah, that's true. But uh, yeah, I think this was the best out of them, just because it was the least silly. Um, especially after City of the Living Dead with that coffee debacle. Um, I mean, I think he pulled this one off pretty well. Uh, the only thing that confused me is because I thought there was way more in the movie. I was expecting there to be this epic scale to the end of it. But nope, they just fade off, and then the credits come three seconds later, and I was like, oh, that's it? I had to actually rewind to make sure I had missed something. Uh, but, but yeah, I think he definitely held, like, this one holds up better than Zombie or City of the Living Dead. I'm not so sure about Don't Torture a Duckling, because that was kind of a, a, a pretty satisfying end that made sense, but this is a totally different beast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, are you ready to rate and recommend this sucker? Give your rating and recommendation? Yeah, I guess so. I, I guess I'll just, um, yeah, I'll, I'll give my rating and recommendation. I, I First, I just want to sum up my thoughts. So basically, best cinematography yet, I think, from Fulci. Mm. Uh, pretty great score, as I said. Amazing effects and gore, that's no surprise. Uh, writing still isn't the best, but I think it's somewhat better than City of the Living Dead. Uh, and definitely, in its dialogue, it's better. And it's leagues better than Zombie in its script. Uh, zombie didn't really have much of anything. It was just like, zombie effects. Uh, zombie effect oh the doctor is kind of kind of mad but um yeah so like i said the ending was cryptic but not so confusing that it's stupid or anything um so in short i dug this one i'm giving it an 8.5 out of 10 uh, wow. i would call it a high priority stream i don't know when i'll be rewatching this because i mean there's only so much you can take and i've got uh, the next movie in the gate of hell trilogy ahead of me but i would definitely recommend that you stream it if you have shutter and if even if you've already seen it maybe it's time to revisit it I agree. I I give it an 8 out of 10, so I'm right there with you. I actually call this one a buy if you have the money to get the collector's edition from Grindhouse because it has a ton of extras. Um, you know, Tarantino's uh, production company put a lot of love and work into it, but it is pricey. It's about 34 bucks for the Blu-ray, which is pretty pricey for you know, a single you know, uh, Blu-ray, but I, you know, it's it's got a crap ton of stuff in it. So, you know, if you've got the cash, I think it is worth a buy. Otherwise, I'm with you. It's streaming on Shutter. No reason not to see it. I, I definitely say it's at least a high priority stream, if not a buy. Sweet. Yeah, I'd agree on that. And, you know, at the beginning of this discussion, I actually had an, an, an 8 out of 10. But as I was talking about it, I was like, you know what? This movie is so charming. It's an 8.5. So, yeah, I agree with you on that on that stream. And and I would buy it. But, I mean, that's pretty steep. I guess people aren't buying it because it's the, it's a Fulci movie. Not not mainstream appeal, but they got to make money off it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. So, folks, there's no secret what we're doing next time. We're doing uh, The House by the Cemetery as we wrap up our tribute to Lucio Fulci and the Gates of Hell trilogy. But, folks, we do have a Patreon page with uh, bonus features for our supporters. 
We hope to add uh, another one, uh, the two of us, soon. If you go to Patreon, you can find our show, Father and Son Watch Horror, and you can support us for as little as $2.50 a month. We do have tiers with different benefits for each tier. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we'll be doing a show with the Patreon based on their pick, right? Which I look forward That's to. That's right. Yep, we're going to have a, a patron on the show to talk about uh, their pick for a podcast. And also, I just posting two videos this, this week. I posted one yesterday, and I've got one coming tomorrow. So I am updating that every uh, every week. And uh, yeah, I always get back to patrons with comments and stuff. I love to hear from them. Absolutely. So we want to once again congratulate Horror Movie Podcast, Wolfman Josh, Dr. Shock, uh, uh, Gilman Joel, and of course, Jay of the Dead for, for kind of being the founder of the feast there. Uh, every episode of theirs is worth listening to, as is Land of the Creeps. Uh, we love uh, Greg Amortis, Dr. Shock again, and Big Bill, Retro Movie Geek, uh, Terror on the Two, The Huh Podcast, all great podcasts. Be sure to check them out. Be safe as hopefully this quarantine winds down. Be sure to check out our website, fatherandsonwatchhorror.com. We are also on Twitter, Instagram as uh, Father Son Horror, and we have a closed Facebook group. So where can they find you on social media, buddy? On Twitter, I'm at Kane underscore Hero 12. That's K-A-I-N-E underscore Hero 12. On Letterboxd, I'm at Kane Hero. That's one word. You can also find my YouTube channel floating around on the interwebs. Absolutely. So uh, they can find me as Pastor Matt R on Twitter and Letterboxd. So folks, uh, we thank you for listening. So say goodbye to the good people, Jackson. Goodbye. And remember, wash your hands, wear your seatbelts, and oh yeah, try not to open the gates of hell. <laughs> We've already got pandemic and murder hornets. We don't, and, and early hurricane season, we don't need the gates of hell. We too, don't so. need Fulci zombies. Those are the hardest type of zombies to kill because they're so unpredictable. Guts, heads, who knows? Exactly. So, folks, remember, the family that watches horror movies together slays together. See you next time.